Hello, and welcome to the Church on the Hill podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we invite you to join us live this Sunday at 500 Sands Drive in San Jose, California. Visit churchonthehill.com for service times and directions, and also to learn more about connecting, growing, and serving at Church on the Hill. Now let's join lead pastor Scott Simarok as he teaches at Church on the Hill. Yesterday, I walked in my backyard, raincoat, and stood in the pouring rain. Because I don't know if this happened to you, but somewhere in the windstorm last week, we lost a section of our fence. So I went out there to examine. It's only a six-foot section that fell down. And I I actually felt really blessed because as I went to go check this fence out, I looked around the corner and that same stretch of fence that goes into my neighbor's yard, their entire, the entire length of their yard, that fence was lying on the ground. I was like, oh, my six foot little section here doesn't seem so bad. But as I was looking and inspecting kind of why this thing fell over, how deep do you think a post needs to go in the ground? to hold up a fence in the wind and the rain. I mean, I thought when we contracted for this, it was at least like 24 inches it needs to sink into the dirt. Those posts were sunk maybe a foot into the ground. And by the way, you know what holds them there too, right? It's that they're sunk into concrete, right? Or that's supposed to be how it's rooted into the ground. As they fell over, I began inspecting these posts and there's about a, a three inch high by three inch wide perimeter of concrete around. That's it. No wonder they fell over in the storm. They weren't rooted right. We're starting this series. We just started it last week called Rooted. It's about this. It's about these seven rhythms of the church. And one of the reasons why we're doing this series is this, is you're going to have storms in your life. You're going to have temptations. You're going to have moments of trial, some difficulty, some things that will challenge you, possibly overwhelm you. And my question is this, is your life rooted, anchored into something solid? And that's what we're going to help you do. In the next 10 weeks, whether you've been journeying with Jesus for a really long time or brand new to the Christian faith, or you're just exploring the Christian faith, we're going to talk about what it means to be rooted into this this Christian life. Um, So what is rooted? Here it is. Let me be really clear about this. It's in your notes. It's a group experience. It's not a solo experience. It's a group experience of engaging in the seven rhythms of the original church. And we, we talked about this last week. It's in Acts chapter 2. I will not read it from the Hawaiian Pigeon Bible this week, okay? Here's the seven rhythms. You, you might substitute the word habits for this. Daily devotions. It's about being God's word every day. Prayer. Repentance. I mean, think about that. That's an, a natural rhythm of a Christian. Sacrificial generosity. Serving the community. Sharing your story and worship. And those are found in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says this. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Then I'll stop there. I won't read the rest of it. We studied that last week. But it's these things that they were devoted to. This is what characterized them, described them. This is how they, they did this. And so if daily devotions, if they were daily devoted to learning from the apostles' teaching, then we probably should too. And so we're going to make it easy on you to start out with. You just, you need a rooted book. 
This is going to be the workbook that has daily devotions for you. It will cost you something. And so uh, out in the lobby today, I know we have some of these for sale. Uh, they're also, uh, we have more coming if we run out. Um, I will say this, if for some reason finances are a challenge for you at all, when you go grab your book, you just go, hey, Scott's covering me. Our church will cover you in this. There's no reason that finances should stand in the way of this, okay? I'm going to invite you to grab a workbook today, and you're going to start it after you meet in your community group this week. That's when you start reading. Now, we have a whole online audience that you're journeying with us. And, you know, I know some of you, you've moved out of the Bay Area and you haven't found a church. Like, this is still your church. You're watching us and you're like, how do I participate in this? You can get a workbook. Here, it's simple. Go to um, experiencerooted.com forward slash shop. Or let's get techie here for a moment. There's a QR code on the screen. You can shoot this. Just leave that up for a little bit, Elliot. If you're online, you can shoot this, and that means you can get your own workbook. Everyone needs their own book because you're going to be reading this and writing your notes in this and journaling. Now, if you're not with us live in person, you live outside of San Jose, it's a little more challenging for you. You have to find your own group. It might be family members, coworkers, people in your neighborhood. You might even have friends that they've all moved away, and you're like, we're going to do our own Zoom group. I can't stand Zoom, but you're welcome to do it. God bless you if you can pull that off. Um, I know we do have some groups that meet on Zoom, but I would just say this. Everybody needs a workbook and everybody needs a group. Now, let's be real clear. If that's what Rooted is, a group experience in the seven rhythms of this original church, then um, who's Rooted for? And I talked about this last week. If you didn't listen to last week's message, if you missed that, you're out of town. Um, go back and listen to that this week. Uh, the five groups of people that I think it's for is this. It's for the curious. Those people, you're just curious about this church. You're curious about the Christian faith. Fantastic time to jump in for 10 weeks. It's for the converted, meaning you might just be a new Christian. You're like, I, I don't know much about the Bible. Um, I'm, I'm a believer. I'm a follower of Jesus. I just don't know much. Or maybe you've been Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and like you were converted years ago, but really nothing's grown in you. Mm -hmm. This is a perfect series for you. It's also for the connected. Those people that you came to Jesus and you feel connected to this group of people in the room. This is fantastic. You're going to be able to help bless somebody else with connection. This is a series for you. It's also for the committed. I mean, you're here and you're like, this is my church and this Christian faith, I'm all in and you're, you're, you're serving people, this is a great series for you. It's also for the group I would call the compelled. I mean, you're telling your story to groups of people. You're telling the story of Jesus. You're compelled to share Christ with people. I mean, this is the highest level that you can go, and you'll discover that as I continuously teach this today. This is for you. So if that's what root it is and who's it for, here's my last question, and I'm going to sit the rest of the day right on this question. Why? Why should you and I invest the next 10 weeks into this Rooted series? Uh, this is it. It's so that the church, you and I, can retain the DNA of the original church. And what's the DNA of the original church? They were this. They were bold witnesses. Years ago, there was this uh, movie out called Multiplicity. Do you, do you remember this? There was this guy named Dave, and he made a clone of himself. But then somewhere along the way, one of the clones started doing things on his own, and he made a clone of the clone, and then the clone of the clone made a clone. You know what happens? The farther you get from the original, you make a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. 
They get degraded. The last Dave was like this, just dysfunctional, couldn't even operate or think right. The church started 2,000 years ago, and as it's been being translated to people, and there's a copy of a church that's a copy of a church that's a copy of a church, we ask the question, is the church today, you and I, anything like the original church? We're doing this series so that we can actually look and retain what the church was intended to be and who they were. Think about this for a minute. God began a movement 2,000 years ago. And he began a worldwide movement with 120 men and women. It's 120 men and women who probably never traveled more than 60 to 100 miles from their hometown. And what has transpired, it led to the largest religious movement in the world, 2.83 billion Christians that all came from 120 men and women. The original church, their DNA was to be bold witnesses. For Jesus. So here it is. You've been invited to invest 10 weeks of your life into this series. And so we're raising the bar. This is not just another season. All right. So you're going to read daily being in this book. That's going to put you into God's word. You're going to write your thoughts. And what do you think God is talking to you about? You're also going to jump into a community group on page 15 of this rooted book. You're going to run into this this next week. I'm going to point it out right now. Page 15. There's a rooted covenant. Starts getting intense. Wait, I'm joining this covenant. It's an agreement that says this. I'm going to show up. It's not, this is not going to be a New Year's resolution that we drop in two weeks. I'm going to be committed to showing up. I'm going to be committed to five days a week opening this and journaling what I think God is saying to me. We're raising this bar of commitment and it's not your typical community group season. There's going to be some experiences we invite you to. In here, there's actually a prayer experience. Don't let this freak you out. But um, your group is going to have a couple hours to just kind of, you're going to go off and be alone with Jesus and you're going to have kind of directed prayer. Undistracted, no phone, just you and this workbook and a Bible. And you're being alone with God. Some of you haven't been alone for decades to just sit and let God speak to you. But that's a higher bar than we've had before. We're a part of the experience too is you're going to have a serving opportunity where your group is going to pick something that you're going to go do to serve somebody else. Well, that, that's more time, right? Yeah, we're raising the bar to this. But we think that God is going to do something powerful in your life when we adopt these seven rhythms in the church. So why do Rooted? Um, there are two filters that I know this are running through your head right now. <laughs> the first filter is this. Is it worth it? Like, well, at the end of this, what's the outcome? At the end of this, well, is, is it going to be worth it to put more time and effort into this? I don't know what God's going to do in you or through you in the next 10 weeks. I know it'll be worth it. But I know there's a second filter, and this is probably the more deadly filter, and it's this filter. What are the odds of me failing at this? <laughs> How many of you intentionally sign up to do things that you're not very good at? I, I've never actually signed up for a dance class. There's a reason why. Because I'm not good at it. And not a, so I don't do stuff that I would fail at. And I know some of you are thinking, no one wants me in their group. If I start this, it'd be like everything else that I started and never finished. Is it worth it? And will I fail? 
I think when you hear of the results of where this is headed today, you realize it'll be worth it. And I'll address the failure question as well. Here's the result of what it looked like when this group of people of 120 men and women, when they engaged in these seven rhythms, their lives were totally transformed and they became these amazing, bold witnesses to the story of Jesus. Now, for me to explain this, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to back up in the story and I need to tell you Peter's story because he was Jesus's right-hand man and he was the leader of that first church. But Peter came from really humble beginnings. So in your notes, let me just walk you through Peter's story. The journey to being a bold witness is first this. Peter was found as a fisherman. That's your fill-in. Peter was found as a fisherman. Here's what it says in Mark chapter 1, verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were... Yeah, you're almost there. They were... All right, we'll, we'll, we'll get better at that. If you're going to start a worldwide movement of 120 people that is going to change the world, and you're like, who's my right hand going to be? Question, how many of you would do this? You go down to the San Francisco Harbor, you wait for the next fishing boat to come in, you grab one of those guys to be the chairman of the board. Who would do that? No, you're going you're gonna to go not at the wharf. You're going to go climb one of the ivory towers in downtown go find one of the most successful CEOs. And he's going to chair the board of the 12 and he's going to lead the group of the 120. But Jesus doesn't do that. He grabs Peter, the fisherman. As I tell Peter's story, um, I wonder if you're going to find your story in the midst of this too. And I'll start with this question. Where did Jesus find you? Most people, when they first start coming to church, they're coming because they experience a brokenness in life. <laughs> like, hey, I'm stuck in this sin. I can't get out. I need help. Or, hey, our marriage is breaking. Hey, my relationship with my kids is so busted. Or I know that I'm empty in life. I'm in depression. I'm like, whatever it is, like there's, there's something wrong going on. And they come to church and go, maybe, maybe church will help. I mean, you're so desperate that, that you're even willing to try Jesus. And somewhere in the midst of there, you discover a God who loves you, loved you enough that Jesus would die for you. And he gives you this this new life. But where did Jesus find you? Do you remember that? Man, he, he, keep, he kept finding me over and over and over again. Most of the times when I would come back to him, it was because there was just a deep brokenness in my life. And some of you are thinking, man, there's such a brokenness in my life that why would he ever use me? And I just want to point out where he started with. His right-hand man was a fisherman who did not have it all together, who never took a leadership course. He was simply this. He was Peter the fisherman who, point number two, was invited to follow. The very next verse says this. He's talking to Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. He says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. Pay attention to the fact that Peter was willing to go, okay, I'm in. I'm all in. I'm going to actually follow you. He invites Peter and he invites Andrew. And it doesn't give you a lot of information. It's just that he invited him and he followed him. How 
many of you, um, when you go on vacation, you just kind of go, you know what? We're going to hop in the car and see where the road takes us. Anybody? Raise your hand. Come on. Does anyone do that for vacation? There's always like one or two in the group. You're like, we're never vacationing together. (laughs) Some of you, when you go on vacation, you have an agenda, don't you? On this day, you have a little spreadsheet. We'll pray for you, all right? You got your spreadsheet and your budget and everything's organized and you're ready to go. Now, that's super beneficial when you got little kids, right? Because you're like, we got to make some plans. When I invite you to this rooted journey today, some of you are going, well, tell me exactly what this is going to be. What is required of me? How is this going to work? What are all the things that I have to do? I really have to measure out my time to make sure that I can do this thing. You know what? I'm not going to measure it for you. I've given you some idea about some generalities of what you're going to experience. I'm just inviting you to come and follow Jesus in a 10-week experience with us. What will that require of you? I don't know. Follow him. I'm not going to give you a spreadsheet and detail the amount of hours. There's just this invitation because it's going to lead to this moment that Peter had. He was invited found as a fisherman, invited to follow, and he was challenged to trust. I'm sure you, you know this story, right? Jesus is um, up, he's with his disciples on the shore, and he tells them, y'all get in the boat and sail across the other side. I'll meet you there. And then Jesus goes up on the mountainside so he could be alone and pray because that was Jesus's rhythm and habit that we're adopting as a part of our DNA. He got alone with God to pray. So he could hear from God. And then uh, it says this. It says, the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves. They're in the middle of a storm because the wind was against them. And then it says this, shortly before dawn. What? Think about that time frame. These are experienced oarsmen, fishermen, Experienced sailors, they had been out in a storm all night, made no progress just before dawn. They're just trying to survive in the open water. And it reads this way. Jesus went out to them, walking on the water. What? It's one of the miracles of Jesus. The disciples see him. It says that they thought he was a ghost. And Jesus speaks these words. Take courage. Take courage, guys. It's me. And the disciples, they start getting relief. But Peter, the one who Jesus favors, his right hand, gets this brilliant idea. This is how the scriptures read. If it's you, then tell me to come out to you so that I can walk on the water too. And Peter, in that moment, receives the challenge to trust Jesus. Then Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on the water, came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. See, following Jesus, it has some challenging moments. It's not always safe. It's not always easy. There's moments in your life where you're going to feel like you're sinking while following Jesus. There's going to be moments where you might face financial challenge. Jesus never promises when you follow that life is going to be easy, simple, or uncomplicated. 
He actually promised his followers it would be tough. And you might feel like you're sinking financially, sinking relationally, sinking as a family, sinking in this culture of unconnected people, sinking because of the fast pace, because of the market. There's just moments where we get overwhelmed and we're sinking and we're like, Jesus, help me, I'm going down. See, I think Jesus invited Peter to come out to him Not so that he had this successful walk on water, but so in the midst of his sinking, he would learn to cry out to Jesus and trust him that Jesus had him. Now, the obvious part of this story is this. It's kind of a failure of Peter's, right? I mean, one, two, I don't know how many steps he got out, right? I mean, was it 10? Was it three? I don't know. Does it matter? You walk on water. He was the only guy who got drenched, though. He was the only guy who kind of failed, but he was the only one out of the 12 who walked on water because he got his butt out the boat. Listen, for this series, you're welcome to stay in your comfortable boat, not participate, or do the natural rhythm of sometimes I'll go to a group, maybe I'll show up on a Sunday, like whatever, stay in your comfortable boat, and you'll be bored. You will not experience this challenge that Jesus has for you. And the, the deal is this. It's not about experiencing the challenge. It ex, it's experiencing the trust that you can have in Jesus that he has you. The next time Peter felt overwhelmed, he's like, I already know what to do. Jesus, I'm sinking. Would you help me? He experienced it once. Now you know what to anticipate the next time. Peter, though, he didn't quite know everything about what Jesus anticipated for him. Because at the very last night, Jesus has dinner with Peter and the other disciples. And he speaks specifically to Peter because he anticipated Peter's failure. Write that down in your notes. Anticipated to fail. You probably know this story. It says this, Luke records it. It says, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times that you know me. And if you know the story, Peter's like, no, 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 I would never deny you, Jesus. I'm like your right hand. I mean, some of these other guys, they're slackers. They'll fail you. They'll deny you, but not me. And he even says this, I'm willing to die with you. And the story, before the sun rose, he denies him three times that he even knew Jesus. And in the midst of this, Peter recognizes his failure. He's overwhelmed by it. He is weeping because the last thing Jesus ever heard Peter say before Jesus died on the cross was his denial of him. I don't even know the man. And one record says, and Jesus turned and looked at him right at that moment. You can't color this as a temporary lapse of judgment. He failed. Your journey with Jesus will be similar. He anticipates your failure. He anticipates my failure. You will not get it right all the time. There'll be moments where sin knocks at your door and you answer the door. There'll be moments where those old habits of anger or selfishness or greed or boastfulness, they're going to come out of you. I don't think Jesus invites us to this journey where he expects us to be perfect. See, Jesus doesn't see our failure as an opportunity to shame us. If that's what you know, 
That's you speaking to you. But Jesus sees our chance of failure as a chance to restore us by his grace and forgiveness. Some of you are sitting here today because of your failure. You failed and you went, you know what? I'm desperate enough to ask for Jesus' help. Failures, when they come to Jesus, they don't stay failures because he's in the transformation business. He doesn't define us by our greatest failure, but our willingness to trust him for his forgiveness. And I hope you will feel that one day. Not the guilt or shame, but that you will feel that love and that forgiveness and the new life that he offers you. Now, the other disciples, 120 men and women who followed Jesus, they, they actually weren't doing much better. There's this description of when Jesus rose from the dead after Sunday morning, and he appeared to only a few. But then it describes this 120 who are gathered together. And in the book of John, John writes this, On the evening of the first day of the week, this is when Jesus rose from the dead, when the disciples were together with the doors locked, listen to this, for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace. This group even though some of them had already seen the living Jesus, they were huddled, afraid. Why? Well, the same people that just killed Jesus, they're probably coming to us too. They know his right-hand man. They know the 120 of us. I mean, we were right out there with Jesus in the marketplace, in the temple. They know who we are. They were huddled in fear because they knew that they were probably next. Which makes the opening words of the book of Acts amazing. Because that 120 were given a command. And here it is, number five, they were commanded to witness. You, the huddled fearful, you are going to stand up and share Jesus' story with the same group of people who killed Jesus. The same group that threatened you today. Here's where I get this. If you're in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 3, I know we're winding down and I'm just having you be in Acts chapter 1. But again, we're going to dig more into this story in the future. Acts chapter 1 verse 3 says this. After his suffering, he presented himself to them, to these 120. Gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over the period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And then Jesus gives them this command. Jump down to verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses, there's the word, in Jerusalem. And then in Judea, which is the the region of that area. And then in Samaria, the next region over. And to the ends of the earth, he announces that there's a worldwide movement and they're going to be the most powerful, transformational witnesses. They're going to change the world. One of the ancient rhythms of the church was this. Because what's a witness? In a court of law, what is it? Well, they just show up and they tell what they saw. They tell what they experienced. They they just say what they heard. So these 120 is like, listen, all you have to do is this. Open your mouth. Tell them what you saw. I saw him die. I saw his lifeless body pulled off a cross. And three days later, I saw him in front of me. He ate with us. For 40 days, this happened. 
Not only that, but, but the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 states this, that over 500 people at one event saw him during those 40 days. They all witnessed him together. So they just said, this, just tell what you saw. And then the second thing, this is how you witness how they did. Just tell the difference he made in your life and other people's lives. Now, if you and I are going to be a bold witness for Jesus, um, this is kind of the end product of this. If we're going to do that, we're going to witness in two ways. Number one is this. You can't say what you saw and heard. You weren't there 2,000 years ago. But what we do is this. We point to the scriptures. Let me tell you the story of Jesus that was accurately recorded by those who saw him, his death and his resurrection. So we get to point to the scriptures and the story of Jesus. But here's the second thing that you and I get to do. And don't miss this. You get to tell your own story. Before I met Jesus, this is what happened in my life. This is my brokenness. And this is how I met Jesus. And you tell the story. It's your story. No one can tell you it's wrong. And then after I met Jesus and I became a follower of him, this is what transpired in my life. This is the new life he gave me. It's your story. Tell your story. Because people's stories are powerful. The mission of our church is this. It's displaying the irresistibility of Jesus so that lives are transformed. You know what that's just a description of? Being a bold witness. Displaying the irresistibility of Jesus' love, his compassion, how he died for us, the resurrection. Displaying that to people in both our actions and our words so that their lives eventually are transformed. I need to wrap this up. But I will say this, so they're commanded to be these witnesses. But God is like, hey, it gets even better because they're going to be empowered to speak. That's number six. Acts chapter two, verse four. Look in your Bibles there real quick. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, everybody gets lost in the whole, they were speaking in tongues. What does that mean? You find out later on that they were speaking in a language they had never learned. But yet there were people within earshot who knew that language and what they were saying were they're telling the story of Jesus and speaking of these wonderful things of God. But these people who spoke a different language, they heard them in their own language. And it brings this crowd all together. And as this crowd draws together, look at verse 14 in chapter two, it says this, then Peter stood up with the 11 and he raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. Peter, the fisherman. Peter, the guy of low standing, Peter, the fearful, Peter, the failure, stands up and speaks. Why? Not because he trusts his own ability or because he went to some speech class or went to a preaching seminar. He stood up and spoke because he was empowered by the Holy Spirit of God living in him. And he just told the story of Jesus. And you can read that through. Right in the middle of his speech, he says this, quote, verse 32, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. That's the mission of the church. That's who they were. And they're all about to tell this story of Jesus about what they saw and what they experienced. But if you fast forward in the story a couple of chapters, Peter and John, they're walking by the, the temple one day and there's this guy, he can't walk. And Peter and John are like, listen, we don't have any money to give you, but what I do have to give you, I give you healing in the name of Jesus, stand up. And this guy goes, oh. I don't know if that happened, like the oh part, but just sounded cool. He stands up and he walks. 
Well, these religious leaders that put Jesus on the cross, they don't like this movement growing and growing. Now there's 3,000 people a part of this movement. It's not 120. They call Peter and John in and they start questioning about this. You have to stop doing this. They put him in jail. They threaten them. And Peter's like this. Listen, you're going to tell me to stop being a witness? Who am I to obey? You or am I to obey God? And it says this in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John... And they realized they were uneducated, untrained men. They were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. Point number seven in this journey, they were transformed into bold witnesses. They were empowered by God. Listen, God still does this. Your ability to change someone else's life is not your ability. It's God's. He will draw them. He needs your voice. He needs you to speak. He needs you to tell your story and Jesus' story and how those stories have come together. But in the midst of that, it's his power that will help you and it's his power that will change them. Are you with me? He just needs willing people that'll say, I don't know where this journey is going to go, but I'm all in, God. I know you'll be with me in this. Last thing I'm going to show you. Uh, the very end of the book of Acts. I mean, Acts is the story of the acts of the church, the act of the apostles. Somewhere in the leadership of this, partway through the story, the leadership goes from Peter to Paul. And Paul becomes the most influential disciple of Jesus. And this is how the whole book of Acts ends, right? Here's what it says. It says, he, Paul, proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. That's how the whole story ends. The guy who was there, the guy who was speaking and teaching and changing the face of the Roman empire finishes with, man, I stayed there with all boldness. And I just told the story of Jesus. And then the story ends as if to say this, if this church is going to go, if it's going to succeed, if it's going to blossom, if it's going to flourish, you write the next chapter. And the next chapter can only be written by people who will be the fulfillment of the church, who will be a bold witness for Jesus, who are willing to say, God, I'm just a fisherman. I know I'm a failure. I'm going to learn to trust you. I'm going to learn to stay in this with you, stay connected to you. And I'm going to trust that your power is going to work in me and through me to change people's lives, displaying the irresistibility of Jesus so that lives are transformed. Question, what story will God write through your life because you're a bold witness? That's what this church needs to become. A bold witness in the name of Christ so that this valley is transformed and churches are filled and people's lives are changed and marriages are saved and the eternity of people who will spend an eternity away from God will now be in the loving presence of God for eternity. That's what God invites you to. I have no idea what God will do in the next 10 weeks of this rooted journey. My invitation to you is this. Will you come raise the bar of your commitment and your life? And will you find out with me? And let's just see what he does together. Amen? Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, I am anticipating great things for us and great things in the next 10 weeks. And 
Maybe you will save some people who are not followers of you yet. Maybe you will awaken people's lives. You might empower people in a brand new way. You're going to reestablish a rhythm, rhythm of prayer so that people, maybe they'll hear you for the first time and they never have. God, whatever it is you want to do, we're just going to submit to following you and we're willing to you, for you to do whatever work in us that you need to do. God, we want to be a different kind of church that sees the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives and as we gather together. And God, we just submit to the powerful name of Jesus and everybody said, amen.